0: All right, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Mornings with Marit. This is episode two, which we're calling Multiplication by Subtraction, and you'll see why here shortly when I comment on some various books. So happy Thursday morning. Hopefully everyone's doing well. And first, I just wanted to make sure as we got started to remind you, if you haven't joined Our Facebook page, please do, it's um, Mornings with Marit, it's on Facebook, obviously, go ahead and jump on it. This is where we're trying to create some conversations and be more aware of what people are focusing on and some of your successes in your action items as well. So the last episode that we did was called Sphere of Influence, as you might remember. And Sphere of Influence really dealt with making sure that you are paying attention to and having a good strategy in place for your relationships that you have out there. What I do recommend is if you have a chance to get on the Facebook page and add some of your stories, that'd be great. Some of you have commented, I haven't started yet. <laughs> um, some of us have actually done some work and find some, found some aha moments. And so if you could share some of your stories with us, we'd love to hear it. Also, if you go to the it.org site forward slash Marit and you haven't had a chance to watch the episode and you wanna to listen to it on a podcast or watch the webinar, that's a way to go back and check that program out if you're interested in it. All right, so for today, what are we focusing on? Today, we're gonna to obviously do the Pareto Principle um, and really look at the 80-20 rule and how it applies. And quite timely, actually, when I think about where is it that we put our time and energy and the value that we spend in the work that we do. Right now with obviously the coronavirus, I'm in Nashville this week, there were tornadoes. You can see people really get focused about what's really truly important. And you know, sometimes you look at it and say, wow, you know, that's not truly value add. Maybe I shouldn't do that. Maybe it's not worth the risk. And so I think in our communities, we're finding that. And in our jobs, we're seeing people make overt decisions about where they're spending their time and energy. And so today hopefully we'll take some ideas away that you can go work on and apply in your job. You can apply this in your personal life, just like we did last time with Sphere of Influence, or in your business life as to where you're spending time in your relationships and so forth. So one thing that we know at the end of the day is our time and energy is truly finite. We only have so much um you can only apply it so much and give it to so many people and so today there's four things we're going to comment on one is the actual your own energy and use of your time and and resources we're also going to talk about your time with your your employees and then we'll also talk about an 80 20 rule when it relates to your employees as well and your relationships with your clients as well so those are the component parts we're going to cover we're going to cover some things pretty quickly so part of it is to intrigue some interest ask some questions if you're not familiar with some of the topics that we're covered with we do more um, in-depth programming here as well so you're welcome to ask the questions later on or get on the Facebook and join the conversation. So if anybody knows me at all, they know I have to talk about Colby or it just is not a full day in the life of Mar at Peters. So here we go. Uh, many of you have done Colby with me. As you know, I've been a Colby certified consultant for 15 or 16 years. Um, we probably run five or 600 Colby's a year through this office. And so many of you who are on the call, we actually have your results. And so you know what I'm talking about. Others of you, this may be the first time you think about it or see it. But we do have this part of our mind that's called cognitive. Um, we have three parts of our mind. One is our, our cognitive skills. It's what we can or can't do. Then we have our affective part of our mind. Um, which is really about your personality, your drive, your interests, your motivations. And then you have this third part, which is really your natural instincts and your drive and striving and your energy for dealing with and problem solving. And we all have a finite amount of it. And what we know with the axioms of truth within Colby is that it needs to be um, rejuvenated and we do run out of it and it takes time to relax in order to replenish it to a certain degree. Now, the amount of energy that you have and how long it's sustained certainly helps with how often you're able to work within what we call your MO or your natural instincts, your mode of operation versus working against your grain. So one of the things we do with Colby is first of all, we make sure we understand what someone's Colby is, their MO and we try and fit them into jobs that most naturally suit them so that they have a higher possibility of energy and sustainability, and it's actually an extremely predictive model of how long somebody will sustain in their jobs. So, for instance, somebody's Colby result here, um, this this MO is called an innovator, somebody who's driving change, sense of urgency, doesn't necessarily use a lot of information, certainly isn't putting a lot of energy in in planning um but is very abstract in nature and this is how this person operates this is my colby i think but who knows, we'll see. The reality is we look at this and we say, all right, well, what does your job look like, Marit? Well, I took a Colby B a couple of years ago to see where I was spending my energy. And actually it was a nice fit, very similar to how I naturally was suited. Doesn't mean I can't work against my grain, doesn't mean I don't have the cognitive abilities to drive it, but I know that the closer I'm suited for my job, the more energized and the more capacity I am and more productive in the work that I do. So I can run these reports called an A to B report. And it would tell me, for instance, hey, look, you're in a job that is an overall level of strain. That doesn't mean that I don't have stress from a standpoint of desire to get things done and quantity of work. But from a standpoint of my natural energy, um, it's telling me that I'm at a low level of natural energy. But it does remind me that if unchecked, it could lead to burnout, decreased confidence and lower productivity overall. And that's a key thing. And so what we want to make sure is that people are lined up to these jobs and your jobs for most of the time in such a way that's highly suited and energizing for you, especially considering we know that there's only a finite amount of energy that you have. That being said, you might end up with somebody who looks like this. So I've got um, a client that I've been working with, and this is essentially what his MO looks like. He's naturally a planner. Get, let me look at the big picture. Um, let me build something. Let's drive the uh, risk out of the situation and let's build something to last. Well, when I started working with him, here's what his Colby B looked like from a standpoint of, um, so if your eyes are popping out of your head going, holy smokes, how is this person surviving? Well, he's pretty. he's been run down pretty tough. So he's definitely in innovation mode, changing and overhauling everything. And it doesn't mean he can't operate that for a period of time, but in the meantime, he's under a very high level of strain. And what we wanna do is drill down and also get some techniques. So the reports are nice because they actually give you techniques for what can you be doing to barter and and get other people's talents involved so that you feel less of the stress in this. And obviously the desire is, as we work through that, he ends up much more suited with his job self expectations to who he is naturally so he is energized every day as opposed to completely exhausted and burnt out which is not a sustainable model for anybody so if you are interested in that you can always go to colby.com and get your own result. i also am happy to help you with that i can do a colby a and b here um, we just charge at cost essentially but If you haven't taken a look at it, I'd highly recommend you to take an opportunity to make sure that you're in the right role, you're able to tweak your job just a little bit so more and more your job is suited um, for your cognitive energy and not just from a standpoint of pushing through things. We, We kind of talk sometimes about people ending up in that excellence trap. I'm really good at it, but I don't have the passion for it and it's driving a lot of energy out. So we wanna make sure we avoid that from happening. So we've talked about energy. Um, Now we're going to talk about time, and so I'm going to reference one of my books that many of you have heard me talk about called um, First Break All the Rules, and in it, they remind us we need to be playing favorites, Um, and it's okay. So spend the most time with your most productive employees, Um, invest in the best, and then it also talks about investing in your best is actually the fairest thing to do. Um, and and in one of the chapters, they really drill down into this. And one of the activities that they recommend that you do, if you're a manager, um, you might wanna try this. On the left side of a blank sheet of paper, write down the name of the people who report to you in descending order of productivity, the most productive at the top and the least productive at the bottom. And on the right then, write down the names of the same people, but this time in descending order of time you spend with them and most of the time um, at the top and the most time with those at the top and the least time at the bottom, and then start to draw lines that join those names on the left over to the appropriate side. So hopefully it doesn't look like that, you know, and, and what it could look like is you've got a lot of crisscross going on and very often they do. And so we we challenge you in this book and in the concepts is make sure that you're really spending the most time with your most productive people. So we do talk a little bit about, you know, investing in your stragglers does appear to be shrewd, yet the most effective managers do the opposite. And when they join the names, their lines are actually horizontal, which would look something like this. Um, They spend the most time with their most productive employees and they invest in their best, and why is that? Because at the heart, they see their role very differently from the way most managers do. So most managers assume that the point of their role is to either control or to instruct. Um, I know we don't like the word control, but if you think of that as part of being, part of your job is certainly to be help your employees be more productive. You would spend time with those strugglers and actually help them and and elevate their role as well. Um, what we talk about with managers, though great managers actually, they think of their role as a catalyst is turning talent into performance. So when they're spending time with any, an employee, they are not fixing or correcting or or instructing. Instead, they're racking their brains trying to figure out better and better ways to unleash that employee's distinct potential and their talent. So they're thinking about their unique set of expectations. They're thinking about how to highlight and perfect each person's unique style. And they're also running interference for them. So those high-performing employees aren't wasting energy on things that aren't what they're most suited to as well. So those, this is an exercise that I highly reman, remind you to think through. Um, when I've done it in the past, it actually clarifies for me, now why am I not spending time with people? You know, I do have great employees and is it just a, a my time issue or, or what is it? And it's not about spending time with them, giving them instruction, it's time with them, being there to help them become best versions of themselves, learn more about them and continue to tweak their role so they become the, the highest and best use of their time as well. So that's the conversation when it talks about spending time with your people. All right, now let's talk about your people as a whole. And here's another little book. This is a very short book. It's got pictures and drawings in it. So I know a few of my employees would appreciate that. Um, But this book is called Multiplication by Subtraction and it comes from Strategic Coach. You can get it online. Um, But what I like about this book is it, it really talks about how to gracefully let go of wrong fit team members, which actually take a lot of our time and energy, and they actually drill down quite a bit into, you know, what's the actual cost of having poor performers on your team? And we all know who they are, right? And so the question becomes, you know, why are we not getting rid of them? <laughs> you know, and there's a variety of reasons. And in the book, they'll actually talk about it. You know, sometimes we just dread confrontation, or how about the tears, right? How many of us enjoy seeing tears? I just don't want to see that, or we think it's our fault, or we think. We, we're loyal, or we're afraid of legal ramifications, or boy, we might need that warm body just a little bit longer. Um, we fear the work that might come back to us. We think team morale might take a hit. We can't actually, actually pinpoint the problem. Sometimes it can be a problem. Hiring is hard, and they still see. You know what? Okay, we see okay results. So those are various things. But what I would encourage you to think about when you look at this page is, you know, are your right team. Right fit team members there. They're accountable and responsible. They operate with a growth mindset. They're, I love this one. They're motivated and have batteries included. That's one of my favorite ones, um, which means you're, you don't have to be the battery. You know, play, They play to win. They don't play to not lose. Um, they demonstrate teamwork and, and they decrease stress around them and they're passionate about helping others develop and grow versus wrong fit team members that are really there leaving bad impressions, not only with your clients, but even with your staff or your vendors. Um, they bring morale down. They leave their team feeling unsupported. You know, They leave messes and then they expect others to clean them up. Um, they train others in their bad habits. That's pretty, pretty bad. Um, they turn small issues into crises. So we know those people, drama people. Um, and they create friction and drag and they can actually cause you to lose your right fit team members. So I this year, you know, we do our OPEX management program and, and I bet, you know, 70% of the program really is talking about culture and employees and making sure you've got the right fit and making sure that you drive that culture because only you as the leader can make sure that that situation is under control. They, they have a really interesting chart in this um, this little book here and I just pulled out a couple that, 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 that are representative and they talk about the specific symptom that you might see, you know, malaise or disengage or not accountable or arrogance, we love that one, right? But then what's the actual result and cost is that to the organization? And they have a variety of others that you can look at as well. You know, they talk about, you know, the drama queen or even people who are clueless, that one's kind of fun or uncooperative and non-collaborative. Oh, here's a nice one. Lack of integrity or oppositional. And so they actually chart out and say to you, what's the actual result and impact that you have? So I happen to choose these three because they line up with the three um, characters in the book, The the Culture Code, where they have the downer, the slacker, and the jerk. They place them in a room and say, let's see what impact this has on the meeting. And it's terrible, it's immediate that you can see that the organization is taking a you know sidetrack. And so for the malaise and disengage, well, the team feels dragged down, it creates low energy, and we start to bypass them. It's almost like we fire them, but we let them still sit there while we get paid, right? Um, Then you've got those that are not accountable. So what does that look like? Well, team members take up a disproportionate amount of workload, they cover for them, and they just try and get it done quickly. But as you can see, it might be a little half-assed. If I can say that on this, I think they'll cut it out or bleep it if, if inappropriate later on, you can let me know. Um, the other piece are, are the arrogance. So these people then, people, the team doesn't feel valued and they may stop contributing because they're treated like objects. So being able to quantify that, sometimes I'll actually have people in our OPEX class take a problem and actually quantify you know, the loss of productivity, the loss of opportunity, and what is the real dollar sign to it? It's not just somebody's salary, um, but, it, but it, it becomes multiples of that on the impact of the organization. So I would highly inc- encourage you um, to evaluate the impact of your wrong fit team members, act quickly. Um, and then I talk about compassion. So sometimes people say, well, Marit, how can you eliminate people on your team and, and still have compassion? And I, I consider it as I'm being compassionate to my high performers. That's who I need to take care of. And frankly, many of us know, people who need to be what, what we consider liberated um, our wrong fit employees, someday they'll probably come back and thank you for it. If not, essentially they do, but you know, somewhere down the, they were just as miserable as you are. Um, there's no way that that wasn't working out the way that is. So that's what it is in relation to looking at team members and spending time with team members. So let's maybe apply this a little bit more to, you could apply this in any industry, but I'm gonna specifically talk about the 80-20 rule when it comes to clients and looking at potentially measuring a book of business. And you know we, we tend to say, we'll say it theoretically, we believe 20% of our clients are generating 80% of our revenue. Is that true? Well, I've gone into several agencies and it's actually proven itself to be true. In fact, maybe even a little more extreme than that. And so if you have not analyzed your book of business on a regular basis, this may be a good opportunity to do that. And it's just as simple as grabbing all your accounts by customer, not necessarily by policy because you have uh, customers that have multiple accounts, but what does the the total of the the revenue for an account and then just sort it by um, descending order largest um, at the top and then at the bottom. And what we did was with this client, so I'm gonna give you an example, I've rounded up numbers um, so that we don't know who they are specifically to to make sure that the guilty aren't, you know, uh, They don't know that we're talking about them, but I'm going to give you this example. So this one client in their commercial lines business had about 1,500 accounts. So in their top 5%, that's 75 accounts. And you can see how we tiered it down from a 5, 15, 60, 20 model. So when we went and did the actual analysis, where was the revenue distributed? And interestingly enough, it was actually 20% of their clients were generating 84% of their revenue in their commercial lines um, accounts. And this was like all their producers and all their CSRs account managers were working on that. Interesting, right? The 2.5%, 2.5 million, 84% 84% of that is in the top 300 accounts. So where is all that waste and time and production and and um, overproduction and overprocessing that's occurred? So we spent quite a bit of time working with them, and you know, there's a variety of strategies in general. You could we looked at consolidation of their services and created a small business unit, so there wasn't as much. Um, customer intimacy in those top 300 accounts, and you can look at different sta- l- service level standards based on what, what size and the stratification there are. Certainly, maximizing service centers can make a big difference as well. Um, we also drilled down to the producer level. So every year, it became part of the process that we would do this at the producer level, and really got um, made a discipline to trade down and and take those larger accounts and free up your agents to be able to focus on less accounts and go sell more and not get trapped in i have to do service i'm so busy doing service that i can't go out and sell and and it takes time it doesn't happen easily and overnight i mean certainly compensation becomes a conversation which will be part of the next uh webinar next next month in april Um, but it also talks about you know being free to then go sell promote And then let other producers grow and it's a good way also to bring in and and learn in the industry as well so it becoming part of a discipline is key but what i'll also caution you is obviously to be sure to consider unintended consequences so you know we i watched an agency that did this once unfortunately i didn't get a chance to work with them till after they did it didn't realize that they were um, when they offloaded a, a certain amount of business that they lost a carrier appointment in the process So you want to pay attention to those pieces. And then, of course, your producers are going to want to hold on to it. Well, that account's going to be a big fish one day. They all are, right? So um, it can be an interesting cultural aspect that's got to be applied from a sales culture standpoint. So those are some strategies that we did. So what happened with this agency? Well, we went back three or four years later, and we looked at, well, how many are in your commercial book of business now? And they actually were up only working with 550 instead of 1500 accounts at this point. So what did that translate to? Well, it translated still to $3 million in in revenue overall, but you can see, and so you can still see that they're operating a bit on the 80-20 rule, but they just have less accounts. Now, did they lose that thousand accounts? No, they moved them into a small commercial, did an operational excellence model. So they're still generating in a more efficient manner, but here's the end result they were able to increase their revenue by 20% and reduce the accounts by six number of accounts by 60 and their average account size increased by 225%, which is substantial. It means that their producers and their best account managers that are in this department are able to put their time and energy into taking care of those customers and applying those um, critical relational skills, which in the long run are what is gonna keep the business at the end of the day. So how do you apply it? Well, I would certainly think about how do you look at these numbers annually? Um, So it's not something you have to do drastically overnight. This one, we were obviously very pointed in the process that we did. But even if you looked at the bottom 10% every year and figured out what am I doing with that in order to free up space, there's a lot of energy that can still be um, created and passed along so that you freed up to actually go do sales. Um, We've also incorporated in a lot of agencies and their producer annual planning so that there's an offload. Certainly that changes, you know, what are you compensating on those accounts? Um, Why are you paying um, full commission on these tiny accounts that are actually generating very little revenue for your agency? Um, That's certainly not driving to your productivity levels. And then another way you can apply this is looking at your carrier relationships. You know, putting your largest carrier to your smallest, what's that generating in revenue? Does it make sense? Um, are you over and feeding too many mouths? There might be a variety of ways to apply this as well, um, and certainly looking at how you manage that. So, in the spirit of 8020, I'm also going to do a shout out to my friend Bill Wilson who's done a lot of work in the industry. Many of you know him. He actually has a book out right now called Seven Maxims of Time Management. So shout out to you, Bill. Um, thanks for letting me know about this book. And I think that a lot of these, th- these items that we've talked to today will probably complement what's in your material. And so um, go out to Amazon, give it a shot. And uh, that's my that's my fun shout out for the day. And I hope that you will take some of these specific items away from you today. So thinking about your own energy and your time, um, where you're putting it, and so forth. What also think about is when you evaluate it. One of the things we do in our OpEx program is we look at, you know, is it a good fit from a standpoint? I like it. Is it a good fit on skills? A good fit on energy? But then flip that around and evaluate overall the total value that's that. Um, function is for your agency or the firm that you work in, because it might be a good fit for you, but it's actually not driving any value. So you also want to look at that from a consideration as well. Um, think about where you're spending time with the best people. We talked about last time with sphere of influence. You may apply that with your um, personal relationships as well. And then certainly that multiplication by subtraction, making sure that you remove problematic behaviors because they so so totally impact results and costs. I don't think I've met anyone at this point who said to me, I wish I waited longer that I, before I eliminated somebody. It's usually like, why didn't I do it sooner and what prevented me from doing it? So make 2020 the year that you're not waiting too long and regretting it that you held on to resources and time because it's not just eliminating your time. And energy It's the results for your overall organization. And then certainly take a chance at, you know, annually looking at your book of business and how can you put your time and energy with your clients and also your staff applying their energy appropriately as well. So what I will also say quickly here is that as a reminder for us you know are we going to take action or not we can take all sorts of takeaways and think these are important and interesting but if you don't do anything with them does so little it maybe was an entertaining twenty to thirty minutes um, or not who knows <laughs> we'll find out as we go uh, but the reality is that if you don't have conviction remember we talked about this last time is that you really have to be at a level three. From a motivation standpoint, before you'll actually take action, it's not just good enough to value it or have an attitude about it, but you have to have conviction about something in order to make it happen. And you know, then it, if a level four is you're you're passionate about it, level five is compassion. Um, the reality is, some of the things that I've talked about with you really take ter- courage to make changes, and it's going to take a level three to do that. You also have to have the skill set. We talked about that last time. It's not good enough to just be able to regurgitate it, but actually do the work that's required. I think most of us have the skill set to evaluate and decide what the right decision is as far as time and energy and relationships and people. Um, And then finally, are you going to put the time into it and actually take action? You know, I'll hear some of you say, well, I intend to do that. Well, intention is a level one, you know, and if if you tell me you'll try, you're still sitting at a level two, probably not going to happen. So are you committed, do you have purpose, and do you have mission? And you really have to be at a level three across the board. So with anything, this will be a reminder for folks, whatever you're grabbing onto, whatever goal you have, whatever initiative you take, please take the time in your work to evaluate where you are honestly across all three of these parts of your mind, because if you actually don't have a level three across the board, it's going to prevent you from moving forward. Some of the things we talked about today, whether it's eliminating um, where you're putting your focus or people or clients, takes courage. And when it gets tough and people complain, it's certainly going to take a level four perseverance to work through it. Um, and as a leader, that means not just saying, I, I'm telling you about it, but actually applying it yourself. Um, So it's definitely a don't just, you know, talk the talk, but walk the talk. And then as people are struggling, being there to convince them what it is that's best and help them in their decision making. So that wraps up today's um, session. What next time we're going to talk about is, you know, your employees are professional athletes. And have you thought about them like that before? And so we're going to take that concept in April and really work through it. I hope you'll join us for that because we're also going to talk about compensation. And is that something that you know whether you're in the right place or not? Are you competitive? And do you have a comprehensive compensation plan and strategy for your firm or your agency? Um, But we're really going to push you to say, let's take a look at our employees. And are we considering them professional athletes? Geez, we're paying them. We pay them to show up every day. You know, Do we know what their stats are? Do we know what the expectations are? And are they working together smoothly? And then are we rewarding them the way that they that we should be? So if you wanna register it, um, you can go to www.iit.org. You can see that forward slash MARIT. Uh, those classes will be available to register for both April and May. And in May, we're actually gonna tackle the book, Fierce Conversations, based on some of your requests and what you're looking for from a standpoint of learning about that. Because guess what? The things we've talked about, whether it's fear of influence or compensation or whether it is time and energy and your 80-20 rule, it will take the courage to go have those fierce conversations where needed. All right. So with that, I'm just going to encourage you, if you haven't been on our Facebook page, please join us on that. Come on, join the Join the party, join the conversation and that's where I'll be in touch with you. And thanks, thank you once again for listening. The next episode is April 9th. And like I mentioned, it's about considering your employees professional athletes and everybody have a great day. Stay safe, stay, stay healthy and stay in touch.